Please stand for the reading of God's word. Hebrews 11, 30 and 31. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had been given a welcome to the spies. Joshua 2, 1 through 21. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where, they, where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death, if you do not tell this business of ours. Then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterwards you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said to them, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun, and they told him all that had happened to them. 
And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. And now from Joshua 6, verses 21 and 25. Then they devoted all the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys, with the edge of the sword. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. About 15 years ago, I heard Joel Gregory preach. He was the pastor at First Baptist Church at the time. And I heard him preach in a chapel service at Dallas Seminary. And he was talking about the, the Hebrews 12 passage when he says, and we have such great cloud of witnesses. And this, this great cloud of witnesses is what we've been talking about in the last several weeks as we look at Hebrews 11. When he's talking about that, he talked about what may have taken place in the Roman Colosseum when Christians were persecuted. They may have been on the floor of the Colosseum, either fighting in gladiator battles or whatever they may be doing, or, or suffering at the, at the, for lions and, and other things that might eat them and devour them. All on the floor. But there also be Christians who were in the stands, who were watching it, who would yell out to those who were on the floor, keep the faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. And I think that's what this passage is about this morning. In fact, I think that's what all of Hebrews is about. How is it that we, as a people living in turbulent times, are able to keep the faith? Our text begins this morning. It says this, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now, if you were looking at this text and you were being able to think about this, you say, who should this text be about? We looked at Moses and Joseph. We looked at Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We looked at all of those great heroes of the faith, Enoch and others, who were leaders of the nation of Israel. And now we get to this part, this one who's the last of the line of stories that God tells us about those who have kept the faith. And who would you think should be central to that story? I don't think any of us would be, be astonished to think it might be Joshua. Why not Joshua? Why not Joshua? Joshua's the one is, that God said, just as with Abraham, I will be with you. God said to him, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not, do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is wherever you go. Did not God say to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that you may know as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And then chapter six of Joshua concludes with this. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame was in all the land. It would make sense, wouldn't it, that Joshua would be the next one in this hall of faith. But surprisingly, he's not. 
It's very surprising to see who the author of Hebrews has chosen to be the one who wraps up this argument in the book of Hebrews. The last one we have a story about, very surprisingly, Rahab, a harlot, a Canaanite, an enemy of God. Why would God choose Rahab? It says in, 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 when we look at Rahab, what do we know about her? In Ephesians 2, it tells us, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles, including Rahab, were called the uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, which is made by the flesh of hands. Remember that you were separated at that time from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's who, Abraham, who Rahab was, the one who had no hope, unless she turned to the living God, the one in whom we find all hope. She's not your typical candidate for this hall of fame, but surprisingly, the author has selected Rahab, the harlot. She is a surprising saint. So the question before us this morning is to ask the question, why Rahab? Why Rahab and not someone else? And then ask the question, what does Rahab's story have to do with us? How can we relate to it? So I'm going to look at three things this morning. I'm going to look at Rahab's faith. I want to look at Rahab's rescue. And I want to look at Rahab's legacy. But to set the context of the story, you have to understand where the nation of Israel is at this point in time. Israel had come out of Egypt, and Moses had led them. But because of their sin, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. An entire generation had died. Moses dies, and Joshua is appointed and commissioned to be Israel's leader. And the Lord tells Joshua that he is to enter into the promised land that Billy sang so beautifully about this morning. The people of Israel were encamped on the east side of the Jordan. It's Shittim. Joshua, while he was there, commissioned and charged the spies to go into the land to be able to see what was there. They were supposed to particularly take a look and understand what was taking place in Jericho. Jericho is a city, a fortified city that sat on the major trade route that's right on the entry point into the land. It might be the oldest inhabited city in the world, some archaeologists think. Jericho was a fortified city. Some think it may have had not one wall, but two walls. And to be able to understand this, Joshua sent the spies in to be able to take a look at Jericho and bring back the message. Into that context, we find an interesting person introduced to us. A woman, a Canaanite, a harlot named Rahab. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly to Shittim as spies. Go and view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. This morning we want to hear Rahab's voice. We want to hear her voice in the crowd telling us and encourage us to keep the faith. And so we will look at Rahab's faith, 
we will look at her rescue, and we will look at her legacy. What is Rahab's faith? What does her faith look like? Under what criteria can we evaluate the faith that is commended so highly in this uh, book of Hebrews? It says, by faith, Rahab did not perish. And so we understand that the faith that Rahab had was a genuine, a true, a real faith. But what we are stepping back on and say, I'm trying to look at this and understand what is, what is Rahab's faith? What is it all about? We'd have to say that her faith at, at a basic level was minimal in content. She didn't understand that much, but what she understood was enough. It wasn't exactly the size of her faith that was important. It was actually the, the content, the object of her faith that was important. And it says in our text that Rahab believed. She trusted in God. How do we evaluate somebody's faith? How do we take a look at it and say, is that faith justified? How do we take a look at that? Hebrews 11.6 gives us a reference point for us to be able to take a look at that. It says, without faith it is impossible to please God. And then it defines faith this way. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Did Rahab believe that God exists? In the middle of our passage, Rahab's words are this. For the Lord your God... God is, He is God in the heavens above and the earth beneath. That's Rahab's profession of faith. And that is a significant profession for a Canaanite. For a Canaanite, typically is a worshipful of Baal and Ashereth. Baal is the storm god and Ashereth is the goddess of fertility. And to be able to say that the Lord, Yahweh, is the Lord of heavens and the earth is a significant comment by Rahab. Did she believe that God exists? Yes. Did Rahab believe that God rewards those who seek him? That's the second qualification. Here's what Rahab asked to the spies. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that I, as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. Rahab's faith is simple. She trusted all that she knew about herself and all that she knew about God. Again, it says that she was alienated, Ephesians 2 says that she was alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. It's almost as if Rahab was like Isaiah, when Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone. For I am a man of, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live in a nation of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king. Rahab could say something like that. Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm an unclean person who lives in an unclean city. But now... My eyes have seen the king. Rahab's faith was simple. She trusted all that she knew about herself to all that she knew about Yahweh, the God. And faith 
ultimately is in trusting in God alone for salvation. Faith is believing that God can be trusted, that He will do what He says He will do. Just like Abraham in Genesis 15, 6, Abram believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. It's not the amount of faith that's important, but the object of faith that's important. Rahab had a genuine faith. But now let's look at the second point, Rahab's rescue. Again, it says, without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. Rahab's reward, at least temporally, is her rescue. And that rescue is defined in three different ways. One is an oath, a sign, and then the actual rescue. Rahab told the spies, he said, now then please swear to me by the Lord. Give me a sure sign that you will save alive my family and deliver our lives from death. Swear to me. She had the spies make an oath with her. The spies responded, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made for us. If anyone goes outside of your house into the street and his blood shall be on his own head and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you've made us swear. And then Rahab again affirms her faith. According to your words, so be it. And she sent them away. The spies made an oath, a solemn promise to Rahab. An oath is a solemn appeal to a God or some ho something holy or reverent as a witness or a sanction of the truth of a statement. Rahab sought their assurance. He said, swear to me by the Lord. And the spies made the promise to Rahab that they would not allow her family to face destruction. Both parties had a condition. Rahab had to be faithful to her side and the spies had to be faithful to hers. And again, Rahab affirmed her faith as she trusted in the spies. According to your words, she believed that they would do what they said they would do. So there was an oath, but there's also a sign. She asked for a sign and they gave it to her. She said, behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. A scarlet rope, a cord to hang down from the window. Rahab's place where she lived was built into the wall. And so they had the scarlet cord and there was going to be the sign in which they were able to know which place was Rahab's and when the walls came down, they'd be able to discover her and find her and save her. But it's interesting when the text talks about a scarlet cord. Why is scarlet an important term here? Well, scarlet or red has a lot of representations of sin. You've always heard of the red light district. Rahab was a member of the, Rahab, of the red light district in her community. You've heard of the scarlet letter. But in Isaiah it says this, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. So scarlet could represent the sin 
that Rahab had, or it might represent something else. Scarlet also represents the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice the similarity of the language we've used here to the similarity of what takes place in the Passover. In Exodus 12, it says, take some of the blood and put it on the sides in the tops of the doorposts of your houses. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down the firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Very similar here is that the blood on the doorpost and the, and the scarlet cords serve in some ways the same function. When they see it, that, that place is passed over. And no destruction comes to that house. We find actually the rescue itself is very simple. We see the, 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 the people of Israel, they march around Jericho for seven days. And on the seventh day, they, they blow the trumpets and they scream, and the, and the walls come down. And all the city is devoted to destruction. God brings judgment upon the city of Jericho, just as he promised he would bring judgment on the gods of Egypt. The rescue of Rahab happened when Rahab the prostitute and all of her household and all who belonged with her, the scriptures say, Joshua saved alive. Joshua rescued Rahab. He did what they said, what the spies said that they would do. And nobody in Rahab's house, all who were there, who were shown by the sign, were rescued by Joshua. So we've looked at Rahab's faith, we've looked at Rahab's rescue, and now we turn to Rahab's legacy. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. I found that an interesting way to phrase what she's done, a friendly welcome to the spies. But it mirrors what happens in Joshua 6, 25. He says, she lives in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua had sent to spy out Jericho. Rahab... Her friendly welcome was to hide the spies and to protect them from danger. So what was her legacy? Her immediate legacy is that her whole, whole family was rescued and did not suffer destruction. Her historical legacy is that she lived from that point in with the people of God in Israel. But there's also a, a surprising legacy that we find about Rahab. If you look at Matthew 1 in the genealogy of Jesus, we find this, that Abram, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amnibadab, and Amnibadab the father of Nashron, and Nashron the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. We find that Rahab, the harlot, has a 
surprising legacy is she's found in the genealogy of Jesus. In the genealogy of Jesus, there's only four women besides Mary who are listed. Each one of them, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba, all but Ruth had a sexually tainted life. But all are found in the midst of Jesus' genealogy. All were Gentiles. And in this way, we see that there's an interesting legacy that we have who Rahab is because her story points to the incarnation, the person and work of Jesus Christ. Rahab's story is her legacy, and in it we hear her voice as she encouraged us to keep the faith. But we still have to ask the question, why Rahab? Why Rahab and what is significant about Rahab's life to us? And I think the the significance of that is that I think Rahab's story is our story. Rahab's story is our story. It's a story that demonstrates the wonders and beauties of the grace of God. The story of Rahab demonstrates that it's not the amount of faith, but the object of faith that is effective. Many times, Tommy and I, we have an opportunity to, to speak with a family who would like to have their child be able to come to the Lord's table. And part of our responsibility in doing that is to sit down with this child and see if they have a genuine faith to be able to do that. When I have a seven or eight-year-old come to me, I'm not expecting a seven or eight-year-old to have a 30-year-old's view of God. But I am interested in a certain level of content and a certain level of genuineness about their faith. It's not the amount of the faith that I'm interested in, it's it's the quality and the object of the faith that I'm really concerned about. Rahab's story reemphasizes that for us. And although her faith may begin small, my guess is it did not end small. Because it says in, in Hebrews 12 that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. Our faith may be small, but Jesus continues to work in our lives in a way to perfect that faith. He who began a good work in us will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. So Rahab, the story of Rahab demonstrates it is not the amount of faith, but the object of faith that is effective. Rahab also trusted God for her rescue in the time of trouble. She lived in a fortified city, the armies all around, but she did not trust in that fortified city. Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. Psalm 1 and 27, lest the Lord guards the house, the watchmen lie awake in vain. Rahab's faith demonstrated that she trusted in the God who indeed could save her. She trusted in the faithfulness of the God of Israel. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And Rahab's faith was indeed rewarded. The text tells us that Rahab was saved alive by Joshua. Joshua, familiar name? Joshua, Yeshua means God saves. Yeshua saved alive Rahab. But who is Joshua? Is there not a greater Joshua, not a greater Yeshua? It is none other than our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus being the Greek form of Joshua, God saves. As Rahab was saved alive by Joshua, we are also saved 
alive by the greater Joshua, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so this morning, when we did the Heidelberg Confession, we asked the question, what is your only comfort or hope in life and in death? It's reassuring that we can say that I belong, body and soul, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. The second thing we know is that God did not treat Rahab as she deserved. In God's grace, He does not treat us as we deserve. She was a Canaanite, an enemy of God. She was a harlot, an unfaithful sinner. And she was without hope and powerless to save herself. She was weak. But Romans 5 assures us, for while we were still weak, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. All the characteristics of Rahab are also ours. But Jesus has reconciled us to God by His finished work. And finally, we learn that God loved Rahab. And I get this by looking actually back into the text from a New Testament perspective. God's grace is a manifestation of His love toward us. My favorite scripture is Ephesians 2.4, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, has made us alive together with Christ, for by grace we have been saved. That is Rahab's story. God being rich in mercy because of His great love for Rahab made her alive together with Christ, for by grace she has been saved. The Scriptures tell us that God demonstrates His love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Scriptures also tell us, and this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Rahab's voice reminds us that we are far greater sinners than we can ever imagine, and we are far greater loved than we'd ever dreamed. A few years ago, I had the privilege of walking with a family as the mother and the wife was dying of cancer. And one, after, one afternoon, I was at their house, and we were in her room praying with her, her husband on one side of the bed, and I was standing on the other. And she said something very interesting. She said, she was in her prayer. She said, Lord, I pray and I give you thanks for this great cloud of witnesses that is around me. And I don't think she was talking about her husband or me. But I think in her transition from this life to the next, she was able to in some way recognize that great cloud of witnesses beyond her who were encouraging her in this time to keep the faith, to keep the faith, to keep the faith. Why Rahab? I think that God chose Rahab because her story is our story. She was a sinner in need of rescue, loved and saved by the grace of God. We are sinners in need of rescue, loved and saved by the grace of God. And her voice encourages us to keep the faith. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish, it tells us in Hebrews 11. But also see the parallel in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even though we are dead in our trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ. For by grace we've been saved, 
And he's raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Rahab was saved alive by Joshua. And we are made alive together with the greater Joshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our blessed God and Father, we do enter into your presence giving you thanksgiving for what you have done in our lives. We thank you, Father, that you do not treat us as we deserve, but you treat us according to the love and grace of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that you have sent Rahab and told us her story in order that we might find our story in hers, that we might find our story in a greater story, the salvation that is available to us in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we pray that you would strengthen us by this story and encourage us each day to keep the faith. We pray this in the strong, powerful, majestic name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.